0: Welcome back to our study of 1 Kings. We are in 1 Kings chapter 11. Today we're going to be looking at the first 13 verses. And this chapter describes Solomon's fall or Solomon's downfall. We saw last time in the second half of chapter 10, the beginning of Solomon's downfall. Here in chapter 11, we see that fall completed. And then uh, next time, we're willing, we'll see some of the consequences, some of the fallout of that fall. Remember last time we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 17 and we saw that even before Israel had a king, God gave instructions about what their king should and shouldn't do when it came time for them to have a king. And so this is what Deuteronomy 17 said uh, about the king. In uh, verse 16 it said, "...only he must not acquire many horses for himself." Or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, You shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. What we saw in chapter 10 was that Solomon did acquire excessive silver and gold, and he acquired many horses. In chapter 11, we see that not only has Solomon acquired many wives, which Deuteronomy 17 also told him not to do, but he has acquired many foreign wives, which is a double breach of God's commandment because not only has he acquired many wives, which he wasn't supposed to do, according to Deuteronomy 17, he has acquired foreign wives which he wasn't supposed to do according to another portion of the law. So Solomon's in big trouble. He has broken God's law. Um, He has ignored God's commands about uh, kings. And as a result, there are going to be serious consequences, not only for Solomon, uh, but for the kingdom. So let's look together at 1 Kings Chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. So, uh, Solomon was told not only um, in Deuteronomy 17 not to acquire many wives, <clears throat> but uh, in Deuteronomy 7, which is where this uh, quote in verse two seems to come from. Um, in Deuteronomy 7, he the people of Israel are told not to marry uh, with the women from foreign nations. So Solomon uh, ignored both of those commands from God, and uh, in addition to his Uh, wife who was the daughter of Pharaoh, who we've heard about before, now we're told he's married many foreign women. The problem with this is not that they are foreign. The problem is not that they are from other nations. The problem is that those other nations worship other gods, and these women have not left their gods behind. So the issue is not their foreignness Per se, the issue is their idolatry. That's the problem. Here's um, what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, which again is where this passage seems to be quoting from. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 4 says When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, the promised land, and clears away many nations before you the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly." Now, there's a lot going on in that passage, but I, I just want to focus for now on the part about prohibiting marriage to um, people from these uh, other nations, these um, you know, Hittites and Girgashites and Canaanites and so on. Notice that Moses tells them there the reason why they're not supposed to intermarry with these people is because if they do, they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. The, the problem is they worship other gods. And if your sons marry their daughters, their daughters are going to encourage your sons to worship idols. And then you're all going to be in trouble because you're be breaking commandments and dishonoring the Lord. And that's, that's going to uh, bring judgment upon you. So that's why they're not supposed to intermarry. The reason why we know, in addition to this passage, why we know the issue is their idolatry and not their foreignness uh, is because of the example of Ruth. You know the story of Ruth? Beautiful little book um, of Ruth in the Old Testament. Ruth was a Moabite woman. She was a foreign woman. And yet the book of Ruth celebrates her marriage to Boaz, a godly, honorable Jewish man. And it even the book ends by telling us that from uh, the marriage of Boaz and Ruth would come Obed, their son, Jesse, his son, and then David, his son, who would be the king. So it celebrates the marriage of Ruth and Boaz and tells us that the the marriage of Boaz and Ruth was a part of how God brought um, David into the world and and put him on the throne, and from David comes the Messiah. So the the Bible celebrates the marriage of of Boaz and Ruth, and she's a foreign woman, so what's going on there? When Ruth comes to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi, when she comes, she says, your God's going to be my God. Ruth leaves behind foreign gods, the gods of the Moabites, to hide, as Boaz says, to take shelter um, under the wings of the God of Israel, something to that effect. Uh, She comes to take refuge in the God of Israel. So her being foreign was not a problem. Her being an idolater was a problem. But when she left her idols behind and took refuge in the one true God, there was no longer a problem. So Solomon's problem here is that he's marrying women who have not left their gods behind, and he is marrying too many of them. So how does this connect to us? How, how can Solomon's problem uh, become our problem? How, what, what problem are we warned against uh, by reading about Solomon's problem? Well, what Solomon... Um, What we're being told about Solomon is in no way intended to um, forbid interracial marriage. Like you shouldn't marry somebody from a different nationality or something like that. That's not the point of this at all. Instead, this passage and the one in Deuteronomy 7 teaches the same thing that we read about in the New Testament in places like 2 Corinthians 6, 14-16 where Paul says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And 1 Corinthians 7, 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whomever she wishes, only in the Lord. Now, if you're already married to somebody who's an unbeliever, the Bible's very clear about that. In 1 Corinthians 7, you should not seek out a divorce. But neither should you seek to marry somebody who's not a believer. Why? Because you shouldn't be unequally yoked with somebody who's an unbeliever. Because if they worship other gods or claim to worship no God at all, that's going to be a problem. Now again, if you're already married, the marriage covenant is uh, sacred, and you shouldn't divorce them just because they're not a Christian and you are. But you should be careful about who you marry, because uh, you want to be on the same page with them about the God that you worship, because that affects so much of your life. So the story here about Solomon uh, being turned away, his heart being turned away from the Lord by marrying all these foreign women, again, it's not saying you should marry people of the same nationality as you, because you might have people of the same nationality as you who don't worship the same God as you. This passage is warning us against um, against being unequally yoked, right? against um, marrying unbelievers right? because of the problems that that can cause. So, that's, that's the warning for us, right? That's the warning for us. Um, and, and then he goes on to say in verse, uh, the end of verse three says, um, or, excuse me, the end of verse two says, Solomon clung to these in love. And then verse three says, he had 700 wives who were princesses. That probably means they were daughters of kings before he married them. 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. Now, here's... Um, The next problem, not only was Solomon marrying uh, women who worshipped other gods, which God had forbidden, he also married way too many women, right? 700 wives and 300 concubines. Um, The teaching of the Bible is clear from the very beginning that God created marriage. The creation of marriage was good. Marriage was a good thing. And God created marriage to be uh, between one man and one woman for one lifetime. That's Clear in Genesis chapter 2. There's Adam, from his side, God fashions the woman, brings her to the man. This is the last bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she's taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's God's design for marriage. But many people in the Bible missed or ignored or disobeyed uh, what God had. Um, set out from creation as the pattern for marriage. They had contradicted that gone against that, sinfully so, um, and had taken more than one wife. You see this with Abraham, who uh, receives Hagar, his wife's servant as a wife, to try to have a child with her. You see it with David, who has multiple wives. You see it, of course, with Solomon. He's perhaps the chief offender uh, in this regard. And though the Bible doesn't you know, sort of come out and say every time, This was wrong. David shouldn't have done this. Abraham shouldn't have done that. It doesn't have to do that for us because it told us at the beginning what was good and everything that violates that good creation standard is bad. So everyone in the Bible who takes more than one wife is sinning, is going against God's creation design. So Solomon is not honoring the institution of marriage um, as God designed it and created it. He's got way too many wives. More than one is too many. Right, is, is wrong. So um, Solomon has too many wives, and many of the wives that he's married are foreign women, and so these foreign women have not left their gods behind like Ruth did, and that's the real problem, and so they turn his heart away. Um, the end of verse 3 says, "...his wives turned away his heart, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father." For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. So these women, foreign women worshipping other gods, they turned Solomon's heart away from the one true God so that he himself began worshipping other gods. Began worshipping idols and built places of worship so that his wives could worship these idols. First thing to notice about that is that God was right. God's word was proved true. God warned that if his people intermarried with these uh, women from foreign nations, that they would turn their hearts away. And that's exactly what happened to Solomon. Whenever God warns us about something, oftentimes we think we know better or we think we can avoid the consequences or we think we can find a loophole or something. But it's important for us to be reminded again and again that when God warns us of something, he knows what he's talking about and we should listen to him, and we should heed his warnings. We should not think that we can escape the consequences of sin by somehow outsmarting God or finding a loophole in the circumstances. That's never a good idea. Uh, In fact, uh, Nehemiah dealt with people um, among the Israelites who had intermarried with people from other nations and uh, so he was addressing the same problem, and, and notice what he said. He brings Solomon into this. He says, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations there was no king like him, and he was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. That's Nehemiah 13.26. So Nehemiah says, Look, even Solomon, who was the wisest and best of kings. Even he had his heart turned away by foreign women. You think you're going to escape this trap? You think you're going to outmaneuver these circumstances when even Solomon, the wisest and greatest of Israel's kings, maybe next to David as far as greatness, but certainly the wisest, you think you you can succeed where Solomon failed? You know, you're going to walk that same broken path, but you're not going to trip and stumble? No. No. If even Solomon fell, you're going to be in trouble too. This is not going to work. So whenever God warns us about something, we should listen to him. We should not think that we know better than him. All right? Um, the other thing to notice here is that verse, uh, let's see, I think it's verse 4. Uh, yes, verse 4 and verse 6 both talk about David or Solomon not following in the, in the, the way of his father David, not living up to um, what David did. And this begins a pattern that we're going to see throughout first and second kings, where a king's behavior is often compared to a significant king who came before him, whether good or bad, as sort of a, a measuring uh, stick to see how are they doing. Well, this king walked in the sins of his father, so-and-so, or this king was not true to, the, you know, something like this. This is uh, the beginning of a pattern that I want you to watch for throughout the rest of First and Second Kings, where uh, we'll sort of find out what should we think about this king by what we're told about how he compares to other significant kings who came uh, before them, right? So um, now let's, let's finish up with uh, verses 9 to thirteen verse nine says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Now let's pause there for a second. Solomon has absolutely no excuse for what he's doing. First of all, God has appeared to Solomon twice, something that most people don't get the privilege of experiencing. And God has made very clear in his word that Solomon is not to do this. So Solomon has absolutely no excuse for what he's doing, and yet he has gone against God's commands anyway. Verse 11 says, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. So here we see God's judgment mingled with mercy. The consequences of Solomon's sin, and yet God is not visiting the consequences of his sin on him as fully as he could. But he is doing exactly what he warned Solomon about back in chapter 9. Back in chapter 9, verse 4, he told Solomon it. If you will walk before me, as David your father walked, which we've just been told he didn't do, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not like a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship then... Then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them, and the house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. Solomon was warned. He sinned anyway. The consequences came. We'll see more of those coming as we uh, go through the rest of chapter 11 and on into chapter 12, and really all the way to the end of 2 Kings. The fallout of Solomon's sin is serious. But the good news is God's mercy is even greater. Because from David's line through Solomon is still going to come the Messiah, the one true, great, faithful king who can also save his people from their sins. Amen.